Welcome to Radio Looks Lucid. I'm your host, Steve Matthews. Thanks for joining me today for episode 25, News of Note for week ending December 15th, 2018. Well, there's an awful lot going on in the world these days, and so it's kind of hard sometimes to kind of pick and choose what it is I wanted to talk about. But I decided to come back to a regular theme of this program and also my blog, if you happen to read that. And that is the subject of migration, immigration, refugee resettlement. So why am I wanting to talk about that this week? Well, there was a big, uh, big, uh, big to do this week. It was on December the 10th. There was a, a UN Global Compact for Migration that was signed on December the 10th. It was done in Marrakesh, Morocco, and it was a great big deal. So there's a lot about this in the news this week and also, of course, in some of the weeks leading up to it. And I think this is something that is that I'd like to talk about because I think it's pretty significant. And it gives us a chance to, to highlight some of the, the principles, some of the, the recurring themes that I've talked about on this program in the past. So what is that global compact for migration? Well, maybe one place to go for it would be the actual UN website. And so I went to the Refugees and Migrants page of the UN website, and there's an article about uh, this particular compact. Let me just read a little bit of this to you. Quote, the global compact for migration is the first intergovernmentally negotiated agreement prepared under the auspices of the United Nations to cover all dimensions of international migration in a holistic and comprehensive manner. Today, there are over 258 million migrants around the world living outside the country of birth. This figure is expected to grow for a number of reasons, including population growth, increasing connectivity, trade, rising inequality, demographic imbalances, and climate change. You knew they had to get that in there somehow, right? Continuing, migration provides immense opportunities and benefits for the migrants, host communities, and communities of origin. However, when poorly regulated, it can create significant challenges. These challenges include overwhelming social infrastructures with the unexpected arrival of large numbers of people and the deaths of migrants undertaking dangerous, dangerous journeys, end quote. So what they want to do is they want to, want to bring some good old UN regulation to the whole migration thing, and somehow that's going to clear up all of the problems. Well, Color me skeptical, okay? I, I think that that, that uh, I, I think there's some very good reasons to be skeptical of what the UN is is selling there. And uh, here's another article on this particular item, and this is from a website called France 24. Headline: UN to adopt migrant pact hit by withdrawals. Really? So, so there are some countries that maybe aren't quite as enthusiastic as what the UN would hope they would be. Well, let's see what this article has to say. Quote, Politicians from around the globe will gather Monday in Morocco for a major conference to endorse the United Nations Migration Pact, despite a string of withdrawals given, driven by anti-immigrant immigrant populism. Oh, you know those people. Uh, uh, continuing here. Quote, The global compact for safe, orderly, and regular migration was finalized at the UN in July after 18 months of talks and is due to be formally adopted with a bang of a gavel at the start of the two-day conference in Marrakesh. The U.S. government disavowed the negotiations late last year, and since then, Australia, Austria, the Czech Republic, Dominican Republic, Hungary, Latvia, Poland, and Slovakia have pulled out of the process. The U.S. on Friday took a fresh swipe of the pact, labeling it an effort by the United Nations to advance global governance at the expense of the sovereign right of states. But a host of other nations led by German Chancellor Angela Merkel are in Morocco to endorse the deal, and the UN remains upbeat that it can help the world better cope with the hot button issue, end quote. Okay, so, you know, we don't really need to go 
any further here. Uh, any migrant treaty which Angela Merkel supports, I think run away from. You cannot run away from that fast enough. Angela Merkel has substantially destroyed Germany, her own country, with her absurd migrant policies, where she's invited... I, I saw a figure of 1.4 million migrants since 2014. I don't know if that's accurate or not. It seemed like a reasonably good source. But she's invited huge numbers of people into her country that have caused a tremendous amount of problems, uh, a lot of crime, very difficult or impossible to assimilate many of these people. And it's created an enormous tax burden on the German people. So, you know, not only do they have to deal with the crime, not only do they have to deal with some of the social problems that come along with it, well, they get to pay for the privilege on top of all that, and somehow this is supposed to be just awesome. And I guess Angela Merkel thinks it's so awesome that she wants to share that with your country as well. So, yeah, I, I can't wait for, for Angela Merkel's uh, UN compact to uh, to come to uh, to a neighborhood near me. Well, thank goodness, at least I live in the United States, and the, the Trump administration has good enough sense not to sign this stupid deal let's go let's see what some other people have to say about it well let's see here's the washington post is the un's new migration compact a major breakthrough and asked uh, asked the the question in the headline quote with migration an increasingly divisive political issue in the united states and europe could global government step in to address the problem more than 100 countries will meet December 10th through 11th in Marrakesh, Morocco, to formally adopt the first treaty on migration negotiated under the United Nations, end quote. Well, I would say just with, uh, given the, the general context of the Washington Post, of course they think that the United Nations can solve the problem. I mean, the Washington Post is, is, uh, is uh, I mean, certainly I think a globalist mouthpiece. And so, of course, they believe that. I don't know why they even put a question mark on it. In other words, maybe maybe they're just trying to to seem somehow uh, as, as though they're objective. But no, uh, you know the Washington Post very much is for this type of thing. The, the uh, New York Times you know, has a headline: "UN approves sweeping deal on migration, but without U.S. support." More than 160 countries adopted a sweeping international accord on migration on Monday after the United Nations Secretary General robustly defended against the myths and falsehoods that the critics had directed at the deal. Addressing a two-day conference in Morocco, the Secretary General Antonio Guterres noted that disinformation and inflamed debate on the accord, the Global Compact for Safe, Orderly, and Regular Migration, and encouraged a rash of rejections by some governments. That's right. It's just all that disinformation and rash thinking and behavior out there on the part of some governments. And I'm sure, of course, he meant that uh, certainly the United States uh, not just the United States, but uh, but certainly that was substantially directed at the United States. Well, you know, all of these people, anytime I'm, I'm getting lectured by the Secretary General of the United Nations telling me I'm believing a myth that some UN compact is going to undermine the independence of my country, <laughs> you can be darn sure that that's exactly what it's going to do. And let's see here, uh, moving on to Slate Magazine. Uh, Slate is a, a very liberal website. It has a, web, a, uh, a headline here, the non-binding migration pact that was too much for Trump. Quote, diplomats from around 180 countries would be gathering in Marrakesh, Morocco, for a ceremony on Monday night to sign UN's Global Compact on Migration, a landmark agreement aimed at promoting international cooperation to manage the unprecedented population of migrants and refugees in the world. 
the United States will not be among them. The United States announced it was pulling out of talks back in December, describing it as a threat to U.S. sovereignty. End quote. All right, so, you know, once again, yes, I know the, the United States, the, the deplorable United States, just doesn't want to be a part of this massive U.N. push to attack the, uh, the independence uh, of the United States. I, I, I just can't imagine why they wouldn't want to do something like that. What I did, and this was actually very interesting, I'd never been on this website before, I actually went to the website of the United States Mission to the United Nations. So this is the office that, you know, the office essentially, I guess, of the ambassador, the U.S. Uh, ambassador to the United Nations. And I found a document on there titled National Statement of the United States of America on the Adoption of the Global Compact for Safe, Orderly, and Regular Migration. And I was pleasantly surprised by this. This is actually a really good statement. It, it's actually, I'd say, exceptionally good. Uh, reading through some of this, let me read a little bit of this to you. This is some of the concerns that are raised by the, the Office of the, uh, the United States Mission to the United Nations. Quote, The United States did not participate in the negotiation of a global compact for safe, orderly, and regular migration, objects to its adoption, and is not bound by any of the commitments or outcomes stemming from the compact process or contained in the compact itself. The compact in the New York Declaration for Refugees and Migrants, which called for the development of the compact and commits to strengthening global governance for international migration, contain goals and objectives that are inconsistent and incompatible with U.S. law, policy, and the interest of the American people, end quote. Well, how about that? You actually have an army of the American government actually standing up for the American people. Well, who knew that was possible? Let's continue on with this. Quote, the United States proclaims and reaffirms its belief that decisions about how to secure its borders and whom to admit for legal residency or to grant citizenship are among the most important sovereign decisions a state can make and are not subject to negotiation or review in international instruments or fora. The United States maintains the sovereign right to facilitate or restrict access to our territory in accordance with our national laws and policies subject to our existing international obligations. We believe the compact in the process that led to its adoption, including the New York Declaration, represented an effort by the United Nations to advance global governance at the expense of the sovereign right of the states to manage their immigration systems in accordance with their national laws, policies, and interests. While the United States honors the contributions of the many immigrants who helped build our nation, we cannot support a compact or process that imposes or has the potential to impose international guidelines, standards, expectations, or commitments that might constrain our ability to make decisions in the best interest of our nation and citizens. The United States is also concerned that compact supporters, recognizing the lack of widespread support for a legally binding international migration convention, seek to use the compact and its outcomes and objectives as a long-term means of building customary international law, or so-called soft law, in the area of migration. The United States is particularly concerned by the novel use of the term compact to describe the document. Unlike standard titles for international instruments, compact has no settled meaning in international law, but it implies legal obligation. Hence, the compact is amenable to claims that its commitments are legal obligations or at least evidence of international consensus on universal legal principles. The United States objects to any such claims and holds that neither the compact nor any commitments by states to implement its objectives create any legal obligations on UN member states or create new rights or protections for foreign nationals as a matter of conventional or customary international law. End quote. Wow. 
that's some really good stuff. I, 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 I can't tell you how impressed I was in reading through this document. Uh, the author or authors, whoever they are, really did, uh, really nailed it. Um, you know, I love the fact that they bring out the fact that while the United States honors the contributions of the many immigrants who helped build our nation, we cannot support a compact or process that imposes or has the potential to impose international guidelines, standards, expectations, or commitments that might constrain our ability to make decisions in the best interest of our nation and citizens, end quote. I just went back and reread that. That's such a great line. I love to hear that a second time. What well, I want to call your attention to that, and the reason I went back and read that a second time is because that is a statement that says basically the business of the United States is the business of the people of the United States. It's not the business of the United Nations or any other body. And so what our immigration laws are are really up to the people of the United States and their elected representatives to determine. It's not up to the United Nations or any other foreign body. Now, you might hear that and you might think, well, that's just common sense, Steve. Well, it, it may seem like that, but that's actually the product of a, of a Protestant worldview. And you may not have ever heard about that. The, the idea that the people and their elected representatives have a right to determine what goes on within the, the borders of a particular nation, that is called sometimes Westphalian sovereignty. Now, maybe you've heard of the Treaty of Westphalia. You know, think back to your, the history you took way back in, in college or high school. Maybe you heard about the Thirty Years' War. And maybe it seems kind of fuzzy and vague, and it maybe doesn't have a, a whole lot to do, to do with, uh, with the lives that we lead. But I'll tell you what, there are very few things that have, as big a, have had as big an impact on the world as the Treaty, treaty of Westphalia. It created the modern world. This, this international system we have of independent nation states, or sometimes what's referred to as sovereign nation states, I use the term independent because you know, I think sovereign is really properly applicable only to God. But sometimes it's called sovereignty, and that's, that's the typical language, and so sometimes I, I use that just because that's the, the normal way of talking about things. But I think independent maybe is a little better term for that. that, that that's my preferred term. But the, the idea of Westphalian sovereignty is basically... The people of the United States are the ones who have the right to decide what goes on in the United States. And that same right extends to citizens of other nations. In other words, the citizens of Canada have a right to determine what goes on in Canada. You know, and the French have a right to determine what goes on in France. And the British have a right to determine what goes on in Great Britain. And the Germans have a right to determine what goes on in Germany and Italy. And the Russians in Russia and the Japanese in Japan and the Chinese in China and the Indians in India. In other words, the the national government is the highest level of government. Now, there are national governments can cooperate in things, but no one country has the right to boss another country around. Again, that's the idea of Westphalian sovereignty. See, you know, back before the Protestant Reformation, you think about what went on in Europe, right? In in the Pope. When the Pope said jump, the only proper response was, How high, your holiness? You know, you didn't push back. You didn't question why. Your job was to jump and jump with all your heart. And if you didn't do that, you'd find yourself in big trouble pretty quickly. Well, when the Protestant Reformation occurred in the the uh, the 16th century, it inflamed sort of an idea that had already been there, and that is that people didn't want to be bossed around by Rome. And of course, you know, it added this dimension. You know that these nations that were that were uh, 
Protestant nations especially didn't want to be bossed around by the Roman Catholics. And so you had the Thirty Years of War, which took place between 1618 and was settled in 1648 by the Treaty of Westphalia. And the, uh, as you might imagine, the, the Pope didn't much care for, for the Treaty of Westphalia. In fact, the Pope really, really, really hated the Treaty of Westphalia. And I, I want to actually read a quote here for you. And this is from uh, the, uh, the Pope at the time, Pope Innocent X. And he talked about the, uh, the Treaty of Westphalia. And, and here's what he said. I'm going to read this to you. And, and you, you might be a little bit shocked by this, but uh, I think it's important to kind of get a sense of how the popes talk. So here's what Innocent X said about the uh, Treaty of Westphalia that established the modern world. He called it null, void, invalid, iniquitous, unjust, damnable, reprobate, inane, empty of meaning and effect for all time. That was in his bull, Zelodomus, Zelodomus Dei, uh, Zeal of the House of the Lord. Uh, you know, and as we say today, well, why don't you tell us how you really feel? <laughs> yeah, I, I think the Pope was just a little bit ticked off by the, the Treaty of Westphalia. He doesn't like the idea of, of uh, independent nation states. You know, the Pope wants to rule the world. The Pope wants world government. And this, uh, this statement by the United States Mission to the United Nations is simply another iteration of Westphalian sovereignty. That's the Protestant view of international politics. This is spot on. It's an excellent statement, and I, I salute whoever it is, they like say, that, that, that wrote this document. It's, it's a wonderful statement, and, and I wish we heard more of that type of thing, not just from officials in the United States, but officials from other countries. Because right now we have this creeping globalism that's being principally driven by the Roman Catholic Church. Because Rome's never given up its, its desire to, to get back in the driver's seat. You know, the woman wants to ride the beast. And uh, just the way she did back in the day. And, and in fact, she wants to do it on a bigger scale. You know, back in, in the, the medieval times before the Reformation, uh, you know, Rome ran, ran roughshod over Europe. Well, Rome wants to do that same thing today, only wants to do it over the whole world. You know, the woman wants to ride the beast and uh, saddle up and uh, get back to business of, of ruling with a rod of iron. Uh, that is their goal. And as I have mentioned before, whenever you see a, uh, a migrant crisis or, or some kind of migrant issue in the news, you can be sure that lurking in the background somewhere, and probably not too far in the background, is uh, the Antichrist papacy and, and the, his, his henchmen in the Roman church state. And that's definitely the case here. Let's take a look at this. There, there's actually an article that I found. And it took me like about a minute to find this article when I went looking for it the other day uh, that, that proves you know, just how deeply involved Rome is in this, uh, this global compact for migration. Here's a headline. This is from Crux, C-R-U-X. It's a, it's a Roman Catholic publication. And it's got a headline, Vatican lauded for role in UN deal on migration. Now, this article actually dates back to to August of 2018. Now, the, the language of that UN compact was finalized in, uh, oh, in July of 2018. So this was from August, uh, not, uh, not too off, not too much later. In fact, it says it was July 13th when the language was finalized. So this is just a few weeks, actually, after the, uh, the UN uh, migration pact was, was finalized, the, the final draft of it was prepared. 
Okay, so what does this article say from Crux? Quote, when the draft of the Global Compact for Safe, Orderly, and Regular Migration was finalized at the United Nations last month, it was considered a major feat by international delegations who have worked the past two years to achieve consensus on an issue where countries around the world struggle to find agreement. The compact's finalization is also a victory in which, according to multiple parties involved, the Holy See deserves considerable credit for serving as a mediating force, end quote. So here you got the Roman Catholics just boasting about it. So, you know, they think that this compact, which very obviously weakens nation states and strengthens globalism, they think this is an awesome thing. And as I, I said, the, the thing, the, the big takeaway that I want you to have from, from either this program or from some of the other things that I write is that Rome is the biggest driver of this sort of thing. And the reason Rome is the big driver for this sort of thing is that migration, immigration, and refugee resettlement, all funded by taxpayers, weakens nation states. It destabilizes nation states. And it strengthens the globalists, which is what Rome is. What you have right now, on the one hand, you have the the Westphalian world order. In the right corner, you have the Westphalian world order. And in the left corner, you have the, the dreaded new world order of the globalists, of the Roman Catholic church state, of Antichrist. So, I mean, you're dealing with two conflicting international systems. You're dealing with, uh, on the one hand, the Westphalian world order. You've got geopolitical Protestantism. When you're talking about the new world order, you're talking about geopolitical Romanism. These are incompatible systems. And this is why Rome pushes migration so hard. It destabilizes nation states, it undermines the Westphalian world order, and it strengthens the hand of Rome. And it's not that Rome cares about migrants. They don't care about migrants. What they care about is their own power. Now, here's another article. This is from the National Catholic Reporter, and it has a headline, Vatican urges adoption of global compacts on migration, refugees. Ah, big surprise. I did not expect that. So what does this article have to say? Quote, welcoming the finalization of global compacts on migration and on refugees, the Vatican urged nations to adopt the non-binding agreements to protect people who are on the move and to promote their orderly acceptance in new countries. Greater cooperation and responsibility sharing are important themes running through both compacts, said a statement December 6 from the Vatican's Migration and Refugees section. In anticipation of the adoption, December 10th through 11th, of the Global Compact for Safe, Orderly, and Regular Migration, the Vatican noted, however, that it had registered some reservations and comments on references in the compact of the so-called Minimum Initial Service Package. So, you may be asking yourself, so what is it in the Minimum Initial Service Package that would cause the Vatican to have some reservations. Well, <laughs> you go on to read this, and it says that the minimum initial service package includes the distribution of condoms and to sexual and reproductive health services, which could include abortion. So the Vatican, you know, see, the Vatican doesn't mind flooding your country with millions of taxpayer-subsidized refugees and migrants and immigrants. They don't mind that at all. In fact, they want to see that because it helps break down your country. It helps destroy your country and make it easier for Rome to rule. They don't mind that. And, of course, the fact that you get stuck with the bill while they primp and preen before the cameras and talk about what awesome humanitarians they are, well, that just makes the deal even better. 
know, Antichrist loves that kind of stuff. Oh, but you know, if if they give out condoms, well, that 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 is just oh my goodness, we we can't have that. You know, there's that uh, that saying. I know Jesus talked about that, and uh, um, was quoted. He he said, you know, he talked about the Pharisees, and he said, you know, they strain out a net and they swallow a camel. Well, in this case, you've got got the Vatican straining out a net and wanting you to swallow a camel. So they're even worse than the Pharisees, it might seem. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they 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 think that you know, they say they have no problem with all the crime, the the social instability that comes, the costs, all of the problems that are created by their migrant programs. But just don't pass out those condoms. Um, so that's uh, that's that's Rome for you. Now that's a uh, that's about all I wanted to do on the that particular. Uh, UN Migrant Compact. There's a lot more to be said about that, and, and Lord willing, maybe I'll come back and talk about it in uh, in uh, maybe a future podcast or a future blog post. One thing I did want to say though this week, and maybe this is a second, this is a somewhat related story. You know, we've I've written quite a bit here recently about the the migrant caravan that came up from uh, from Honduras and is currently camped out, I, I guess, in uh, in Tijuana, Mexico, on the U.S. Mexico border. Uh, it's kind of a it was one of these stories that appeared this past week, and I looked at it, and I didn't even—I I was speechless. You know, I, I didn't know what to say about this. And here's a headline. This is actually from the Daily Mail. Quote, give us $50,000 each to go home. Caravan migrants marched to the U.S. consulate in Tijuana, Mexico, demanding U.S. government let them in or pay them off. Two groups of migrants wrote letters to the consulate, giving 72 hours to reply. So you've been served. So if you're an American citizen, you need to understand that you've been served. You know, these migrants are telling you that you've got 72 hours to either give them 50,000 bucks each to go home or let them in the United States. Now, one of these groups, it says, was made of about 100 migrants and the other of about 50. Their list of demands, demands, includes speeding up the asylum application process. They also asked the U.S. to remove Honduran President Hernandez from office. All right, so, <laughs> you know, one of the things... And this just goes to show you, you know, people have have talked about the, you know, the uh, the caravan as being an invasion. Well, this really, I, I think, underscores once again that yes, it is in fact an invasion. You know, a lot of people they have they have this. A lot of Americans, at any rate, they have this sort of uh, almost um, immigrants have this almost golden hue, almost this golden halo about them. Uh, they're they're it's like this almost immigration mythology that exists. And and people, when they talk about immigrants, you know, they think about, oh, the immigrants at, at Ellis Island, you know, and they think about their great, great, great grandfather that came over and they got off the boat and they're, oh, what a country. Oh, this is so amazing. Well, you know, the the migrants, and, and I'm sure that there are people who come to the United States and are very thankful to be here in, in the same way. So I, I don't want to in any way impugn the, the motives of everybody who immigrates or comes to the United States, you know, as a, as a legal resident or as a refugee or something. I, I don't want to do that at all. But there is a significant strain of people, and, and this includes these people in this migrant column, who are anything but that. I mean, these people are predators. And they show themselves for what they are. I mean, when they were when that migrant column was coming up from Honduras, they they overran the border between Guatemala and and Mexico. They just overran it. I mean, there's you can see videos of that out there on 
uh, on YouTube. And of course, the the weekend after Thanksgiving, I think that was what uh, three weeks ago here this weekend, they actually tried to rush the border uh, between Tijuana, Mexico, and uh, in the United States, uh, San Ysidro. They must call it the Battle of San Ysidro. I think there were 500 of them or so tried to rush the border, but they didn't get in. They didn't find it quite so easy, and they haven't tried that again. I think they realized they they kind of kind of overplayed their hand a little bit. But you know, now these guys are stuck down there in, in Tijuana. They don't have any place to go, so now they're going to make demands, and they demand that, that the United States give them each fifty thousand dollars to go home or let them in the United States. Well, you know, I, I don't know. What are they going to do? I mean, if they don't get an answer within 72 hours, are they, what, they're going to hold their breath until they die or something? I mean, I, I mean, th- this is just petulant nonsense. And, and, and I'm, I'm sorry, you know, as an American, I don't need to put up with this. You know, and, and, you know these people cannot go back to Honduras fast enough. You know, they made a bad choice. They shouldn't have done what they did. They were told repeatedly... You know, President Trump even got on the news. He talked about this really. He said, don't do this. Do not come. Well, they did it anyway, and now they're stuck. Well, you know, they have themselves to blame for this, and only themselves. So anyway, that's that's uh, kind of a, like I say, I, I, I didn't even know how to react. I mean, part of me wanted to get angry. Part of me just laughed a little bit because I'm thinking, you know, who are these people sitting here and demand that they we give them money? I mean, you know, as, as if somehow they have some kind of leverage. Um, living in dreamland well anyway that's about all for this week so thanks for listening I really do do appreciate your support and until we talk next time may the God of truth guide you in all truth as you read and study God's word